Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 22. 2 Kings, chapter 22. And I want to pray for the reading of the word here this morning and for God's blessing on it for all of us and to all those that are online right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the Bible here this morning, we thank you, God, for this time that we have in the house of God. And again, we thank you for the testimonials, Lord. We thank you for all the activity, all the announcements, all the different things that are going on, Lord Jesus, giving life to the church. And we pray right now, God, that you will help me as your servant to be able to communicate your word effectively, Lord God. Organize my thoughts and my words. We pray for everyone that's present. We pray for everyone that's listening online, that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will just begin to minister to us, Lord God. Help us to set aside all of our issues, all of our struggles, all of our hang-ups, all of our, uh, all of our uh, things that we're concerned about right now. Help us not to be concerned about whether the Rams are winning or losing, Lord, or about the Lakers, or about anything else. Help us to be focused on you, Jesus, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, and the Word of God. Bless this word now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, Second Kings chapter 22. Before I read, let me just give you some introductory remarks. First of all, for those of you that have been with us the past few weeks, you know that we've been looking at various lives of young people, specifically young men, who chose to follow God at a very young age, even though they had to deal with very challenging circumstances. We looked at the life of David, the young David. Not He wasn't king yet. He was just being called of God as a young man. And we learned that he was the neglected son of his father, Jesse. We also looked at the life of Joseph, and we learned that he was the favorite son of his father, Jacob. And now we're looking at the life of a young man by the name of Josiah. And we learned that he came from a home that was severely and dangerously dysfunctional. I mean, you talk about dysfunction, you talk about problems at home, you talk about uh, crisis and trauma. He had it, he went through it, but he still chose to follow Jesus. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 8, the Bible says this, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Now, the last time that we looked at this, we learned that Josiah, who had been king for 18 years, uh, and he began to repair the temple of God because it was in disarray. It was all messed up. And while the temple was being repaired, Hilkiah, the high priest, found the book of the law. We learn that for 75 years, the word of God had not been read or taught in the temple of God. Think about that. For 75 years, there was no word of God, no Bible, no Torah, no word of God for 75 years in the temple of God. Why? Because the law of God or the book of the law was buried or hidden underneath a pile of rubble or garbage in the temple. How many of you know that even today, we are trying to bury the truth. We are trying to hide the truth. We are trying to suppress the truth. People are trying very, very hard to put this Bible underground. But you know what? It's not going to happen. Can you say amen, church? As long as church is open, as long as we're able to preach the Bible, it's never going to happen. But it's still happening today, suppressing the truth. But to Josiah's credit... He repented before God for Israel's horrible sin and rebellion against God and for the neglect for the teaching of the word of God. And he went on an aggressive campaign to teach the word of God to the people of God in Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 34 verses 39 through 32 says this. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. 
He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the book in the temple of the Lord. Now remember, for 75 years, this was the first time in 75 years that the word of God was being preached once again or read once again in the temple of God. Verse 31, the king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So now we want to continue on and examine some scriptures. And uh, Joshua, I want to re- start at verse 14. Instead of starting at verse 11, let's start at verse 14. Second Kings chapter 22, verse 14. This is what the Bible says. As we continue on with this little story or drama in the life of Josiah. In verse 14 of 2 Kings chapter 22, the Bible says this. Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Azaiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people according to everything written in the book the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become a curse and be laid waste. And because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took her answer back to the king. Now, this section of scripture focuses on a woman by the name of Hulda, whom the Bible tells us was a prophet in Israel. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to deal with here. And the first thing that I want to think of or talk about is the fact that this is important because she was a woman. And the reason why this was important or is important is because even today, there are many Christian churches that do not believe or support women in ministry or that will not allow women to have positions of leadership in ministry. A little while ago, you saw two ladies of our church come up here. These two ladies happen to be members of our church council. Sadly, there are many churches here in the United States of America, Christian churches, that would not allow that to take place for women to be on church councils or for women to be preachers or ministers. And so the first thing that we want to talk about is the fact that how many of you know that Jesus loves women? Can you say amen, church? Okay? So, we see here very clearly that Hulda was recognized by all Israel, including King Josiah, as a prophet of God. 
There are other examples of women in leadership roles. For example, in the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. That's why I refer to Christy as a Deborah, because Deborah was a leader in Israel. Listen to what it says here in Judges, chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. It says, now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. What was she doing, church? She was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She was basically playing the same role that Moses played as he was leading Israel, but now she was leading Israel, and she was a woman of God. There was an example in the, Old, in the New Testament, Colossians chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. We learned this when we studied the book of Colossians on Wednesday night, that Nympha, a woman, held church in her house. Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9 says, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, not just our sons, but our sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Galatians 3 26 through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And of course, I want to go back to the, the two scriptures that I used for Josiah as he was seeking after God, seeking after God. How many of you know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old, a man or a woman, if you seek after God, God says you will connect with him. You will find him. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek with seek me with all your heart and proverbs 8:17 i love those who love me and those who seek me find me it doesn't matter who you are present here right now who you are listening to me right now if you want to connect with god begin seeking him begin crying out to him begin humbling yourself to him and saying god i don't understand this i don't really know what's going on but if you're real and you're god i want to begin to seek you out i want to begin to know who you are and what you're all about because i know that i need you in my life god god's promise says you'll you'll connect with him so this promise applies to both men and women young and old ed educated uneducated god will reveal himself to anyone who makes a decision to seek after him. He is no respecter of persons. He does not play favorites. How many of you are glad that God doesn't play favorites? Can you say amen, church? Okay. Now, the last example that I want to give you about women in ministry, of course, is that we have to look at the founder of the Foursquare Church and the Foursquare denomination, which we're all a part of. And her name was Amy Simple McPherson. And she was a woman pastor that God used to start a great and powerful movement called the Foursquare Church, which we, of which we are all in right now. So now, 
Now that we've taken time to establish the fact that, or the validity of, validity of women in ministry, let's take some time to look at the ministry of the prophet. The prophet. Let's read again, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 14. It says this, Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Asaiah went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikva, the son of Harhas, keeping keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. So the Bible says that Huldah was a prophet. What is the definition of a prophet? A person chosen by God to speak for God and is given divine information from God to share with the people of God. Now, God knows that every single one of us has a natural curiosity about the future, whether it's our own future or whether it's the future of our world in general. And so we get tempted to go to a psychic or a palm reader or a fortune teller or to horoscopes. Sometimes we as people can become desperate because some, someone gets really sick. And so we go to a faith healer or a curandero that is satanic. Some people go to other countries because they get so desperate looking for some kind of cure. Or we get into financial crisis and we want to know how to get out of a jam. Or we get lonely and we want to know how we can meet someone. And so we get tempted to go to a psychic or a fortune teller or a palm reader or to some kind of occult but as christians god warns us not to mess with the occult did you hear what i just said god warns us don't mess with that stuff don't go to that kind of stuff don't go to those kind of people those are satanic those are evil those are dark forces no matter how desperate no matter how messed up you may be do not allow yourself to go to the occult as christians we have to trust god if God wants to supernaturally speak to us, he will. If God wants to receive a wants us to receive a prophetic word from someone, he will make sure that we get it. The bottom line is this church, if we are Christians, we are commanded to put our trust in the word of God and God will speak to us through his word. Are you guys listening to me? We got to keep this word close to our hearts, meditate on it. Study it, read it. That's why it's so important that you and I read the Word of God, study the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God, and have little group meetings where we discuss the Word of God. As Christians, we are to be guided by the Word of God. As Christians, we are to follow and submit to the Word of God. As Christians, we are to find our hope, our stability, our peace, our satisfaction, our joy in the Word of God. No matter what, we are commanded not to compromise the Word of God. Regardless of how we're suffering or struggling or the hard times that we go through, we have to put our faith in Almighty God. That's what we are responsible for as a people of God. When we are going through suffering, uh, something difficult or painful in our lives, when we are going through trials and tribulations, we need to memorize promises that pertain to whatever it is that we're going through. When we are sick, we need to memorize scriptures of God's promise to heal. When we are in financial need, we need to memorize scriptures of God's promise to provide. When we are afraid or scared, we are to memorize scriptures of God's promise to protect. When we are weak, we need to memorize scriptures of God's promise to make us strong we have to remind ourselves that our god is the great i am our god is the lord most high our god is the lord of glory our god is mighty to save our god is a strong tower he is holy he is righteous he is powerful he is a consuming fire our god is our peace and he has to be be our joy church psalm 37 
Verse 39 says this, The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. If you're going through troubled times, hold on to God. Don't let go. Get into his word. Start memorizing scriptures that pertain to whatever you're going through. He forces us to dig for gold. He wants us to get to know the one that we worship. Can you say amen, church? We find these promises in the Word of God. However, there are times where God will choose to supernaturally intervene and reveal or make known certain truths, and this is where the ministry of the prophet comes in. Listen, it is an awesome thing when a prophet, a man or woman of God, comes to you and gives you a word of encouragement, a promise, or a word from the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a a great experience. And because we are a Pentecostal church, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we believe in, the, in prophecy, and we believe that God's Spirit can move in a powerful way when we're hurting and when we're in trouble. God can speak to us through another individual or even in dreams or even in visions if he chooses to. If he chooses not to, we have to rely on this and only this, nothing but this, the Word of God. Are you guys following me so far? If you get blessed with a word from someone, that's great. But if you can't or you don't or it doesn't happen, you put your trust in this right here. But the ministry of the prophet is a valid ministry. Deuteronomy chapter 9. I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 22. Listen to this. First, it's a warning not to trust in the occult. And then it's also an encouragement to understand that if you need to hear from the Lord, he will send someone to make sure that you hear from him. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 says this. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But the prophet, listen to this verse 20. But the prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously, so do not be alarmed. 
So God tells us here that, yes, the ministry of the prophet is valid and is good. And the test is if what the prophet says happens, then it's from God. And if it doesn't happen, then it's a false prophet. Now, today, we cannot put to death the false prophets because we'll go to prison for that. Okay? But we can certainly turn away from them. We can certainly say, you know what, dude? I appreciate what you said. It didn't come to pass. As far as I'm concerned, you're not valid. I got to go on with my life. See you later. Okay? Now, God anoints certain individuals to be prophets in the church, and they will be able to speak a prophetic word to us about something that God wants to supernaturally reveal to us. It is a powerful experience, like I said before, when we receive a prophetic word from God through one of our brothers or sisters or from a dream or from a vision that God may give us. There are times when a prophet will speak a positive word or an encouraging word to an individual or the world. For example, 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, God gave this prophetic word to Isaiah, the prophet who told Israel that a Savior would be born and that he would bring salvation to the world. This is just one of many prophetic words that pertain to the ministry and to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and, his, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I'm so used to saying this in the New King James. It's a little strange for me to say it in the NIV. But this was a prophetic word given to the world by Isaiah 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. There are times when a prophet will be sent by God to rebuke an individual or to rebuke or to correct a nation. For example, when Nathan the prophet was sent by God to rebuke King David for committing adultery and murder. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, Why did you despise the, despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. God will send a prophet to warn the people of a coming judgment. God did this with Noah. God did this with Sodom and Gomorrah when he sent Lot. God did this with Egypt when he sent Joseph to warn them of the coming famine. God did this with Pharaoh and Egypt when he sent Moses. God did this with Jonah and the city of Nineveh. We have prophetic writings of the future of the world found in Ezekiel and Daniel in Matthew, 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, Revelation, and other parts of the Bible. These describe future events like the rapture of the church, the great tribulation, the millennium, the great white throne judgment. These are all future events. The Bible gives us a picture from very beginning all the way to the end. Everything that we need to know is in this book. Are you guys following what I'm saying? Can you say amen, church? Everything we need. You don't have to go to any other source. Everything is right here, church. From beginning to end. The prophetic ministry was active in the New Testament church. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets 
and teachers. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the reign of Claudius. And the prophetic ministry is still part of the church for today. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, it says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Everyone is working together as a team, doing their part. Why? So that the church can be strong, so that the church can move forward, and so that the church can be empowered by God's Spirit to do what it was called to do. Now, I don't know about you, but I love it when uh, the evangelist Roger and Gwen Smith come to our church, and he just begins to select people prophetically and start speaking words. I mean, that's a very powerful ministry where you're selected by the Holy Spirit. Just He doesn't even know who you are many times. And yet he picks you out, and the Holy Spirit starts to work through him and give us prophetic words. It's powerful. The Bible also warns us to be careful of false prophets. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The Bible warns us that there will always be false prophets. But the Bible specifically tells us that in the last days, false prophets will increase dramatically. Matthew 24, 11 says this, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Matthew 24, verses 24 and 25, For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. God warns us ahead of time what's going down. Today, all we have to do is go on the internet and you will find all kinds of people who claim to be prophets. Are you listening to what I'm saying here? All you have to do is go on the internet and you're going to find all kinds of people claiming to be prophets, saying all kinds of stuff. Now, I'm going to do something right now that's kind of risky and kind of scary, that's politically incorrect in church, but I'm going to get political here, okay? How many of you want to know who is going to win the election in November? How many of you want to know that? Anybody here? Nobody, you're too scared to raise your hands right now, right? Okay, because you don't know where I'm going with this. Well, all you have to do is go on the internet, because on the internet, you're going to find all kinds of people saying all kinds of stuff about what's going to happen in November. Okay, now I'm going to show you one clip of someone who says that they're a prophet and they're saying that the Lord told them that Donald Trump was going to be reelected as the president of the United States. I know that half of the church already hates me for saying that, okay? But I'm just telling you what this prophet is saying, all right? But then I'm going to show you another clip after that of a person that says that Joe Biden is going to win the election. Now, the second person is not a prophet or talking in the name of the Lord, but it's just a second opinion or a second uh, video so that we could see a little bit of balance here of one saying one thing and one saying the other, okay? So let's go ahead and watch this first video, and this first video is going to show a person that says that they are a prophet and that the Lord told them that Donald Trump was going to win the election in November. So nobody walk out, okay? All right, those of you online, hopefully... We will be able to show you this 
on the screen. Okay, very good. God bless you, everyone. This is Prophetess Samantha K. Samuel. I wanted to let you know what the Lord is saying in this season. Uh, I want to first start off by saying I am not a Trump supporter. Um, I'm not. I don't consider myself a Trump supporter. Um, I kind of believe certain uh, different things than Trump supporters. So what I'm speaking is uh, solely from the Lord and what the Lord has revealed to me. So the Lord gave me a dream and in the dream, he showed me that Trump will win the 2020 election. Yes, Trump will win the 2020 election and it is ordained by God. Number one, there will be voting and a lot of people will not vote this time around, but he will win. I'm telling you, this is what the Lord showed me. I saw Trump standing in the black community. I saw him standing in the black community with uh, other people that were white, uh, a white assistant or whoever this was, and he was standing in the black community. And I heard someone say, we're about to hear who's been elected for president. So I saw Trump walk through the black community, stand on the corner of the black community. Not only was he uh, standing on the corner, but he was standing in the corner of the black community. Somebody catch that revelation. He was standing on the corner, in the corner of the black people. And we have to understand that we may not understand him. We may not understand everything he says, but in his heart, he desires to stand in the corner of African-American people in the United States of America. And the Lord began to show me that when he says, let's make America great, he's talking about white people, black people, Americans. He's talking about Americans. And I see him even in and when he's planning out things and when he's dreaming, he's thinking, how can I make the African-American community better? How can I make them greater? He's standing in the corner of black people. I need you to understand that this revelation is coming from the Lord. So as he's walking to the corner, he's standing on the corner in the black community. We began to hear a voice that's coming out of the sky and out of the sky. I see uh, I hear the voice, but then I see it being written in the clouds and it says congratulate your president. Trump has won again. I'm telling you that President Trump is going to win the U.S. election again. And it is ordained by God when the sky opened up and began to write that President Trump was the president again. I'm telling you, it is the Lord's doing. Glory to God, the Lord's doing. And I began to see Trump's heart be humbled. I began to see him saying, Lord, is, is this for me? He began to look to the sky. He began to look to God. He began to look to the hills and look for his help in God for our nation. So I'm telling you, I saw in the, in the, in the dream, I saw the sky in the sky and I heard the voice say, congratulate your president. President Trump has won again. Congratulate President Trump. Trump has won again. And I'm telling you that he's going to win the 2020 election. No matter what, God said he's going to win. God bless you. This is Prophetess Samantha K. Samuel. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, watch the second video, okay? That was pretty good, huh? That was a pretty good video. Mm-hmm.
914 right now. And in less than three months, we will find out if President Donald Trump will continue to call the White House home or if the White House will welcome a new first family. You know, a lot can happen between now and Election Day, where I think we're down to like 88 days. But one local historian is ready to make his 2020 presidential prediction. And his prediction carries a lot of weight because he has correctly called every White House race since 1984, including President Donald Trump's 2016 victory. We're talking about American University professor Alan Lichtman, who uh, uses a series of keys to pick the winner of the White House. And uh, Professor Lichtman joins us this morning to talk all about it. Thank you so much for joining us. It really, it really is always a treat to talk with you. All right. Now, you know, they, they want me to ask right away your prediction, but I'm going to uh, make the viewers wait a little bit. And I'm going to ask you how you come up with this. It's a 13 um, point checklist, right? That's correct. I have 13 key factors. And the basic thesis behind the 13 keys is this, that you should forget the polls, forget the pundits. Don't look at the day to day events of the campaign. Keep your eye on the big picture. And that is American presidential elections are essentially votes up or down on the strength and performance of the party holding the White House. And that's what the keys gauge. They look at big picture things like uh, third parties, midterm election results, long and short term economy, scandal, social unrest, policy change foreign policy successes and failures. So you actually were one of um, only a few to correctly predict that uh, President Trump would take the White House um, during the last election. That's correct. Uh, what I was able to discern based on my 13 keys is this. If there are six or more negative keys out against the party holding the White House, then their strength and performance is weak enough that it's going to be a change election. And I determined that 2016 mm -hmm. was going to be a change election, that in fact any generic Republican was going to win that election. So I predicted Donald Trump. And by the way, right here in my study, I have this note which says, uh, Professor, congrats, good call, and in big Sharpie letters signed, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> okay, which has been the hardest so far for you to predict? 2016 was extremely difficult election to predict. Sometimes I can predict years ahead of time because the keys fall into place. I predicted the hard-to-call right. 2010 election, 2012 election in 2010, but I didn't get a final bead on 2016 until my Washington Post interview until September. This one is not that hard, but we had the biggest election year change in the history of the country. Okay, let's get into it. Who do you predict will take the White House this go around in 2020? Remember, six keys are more and you're out. Donald Trump was cruising to re-election in 2019 with only four keys against him. Then he made a fundamental mistake. He didn't understand the keys, although he knew they predicted his win. It's governing, not campaigning, that counts. And rather than dealing with the crisis facing the country, he thought he could talk his way out of it. And the result is three more down keys. The short-term economy, because we're in a recession. The long-term economy, because of the wrenching negative effects on growth this year. 
and of course widespread social unrest. That transforms his situation from four keys down and a win to seven keys down and now a predicted loss for Donald Trump in November. Wow, Professor Lickman. So with your keys, are we too close to the election for the sitting president to turn it around? He can't turn it around because he thinks he can talk his way out of anything. He failed his chance to forestall the loss of these keys by actually substantively dealing with problems rather than trying to gaslight the country. The keys, remember, are the big picture. They don't change by what anyone says. But there are two things that keep me up at night that are outside the realm of the keys or any prediction system. One is voter suppression. Donald Trump and his enablers are working as hard as possible to keep the Democratic base of minorities and young people from voting. You know, they depend on older white voters, the most shrinking part of the electorate. They can't manufacture more old white men like me, but they can try to suppress the Democratic base. And secondly, of course, is Russian intervention. We know they're going to be back, and we know again Donald Trump is going to welcome it and exploit it to the hilt. We just don't know okay. exactly what form it's going to take and how it I think we gave a fair presentation of both sides. What do you guys think? Okay, but let me just say this. I searched and searched for a Christian prophet that was saying that the Lord said to them that Donald Trump was going to lose. I could not find a single one. Every single uh, person that I looked at on the internet that I tried to find, I even had other people searching for me, we could not find a single Christian prophet or prophetess that was able to say that uh, Donald Trump would lose the election. So I had to rely on uh, this guy here to say that he was going to lose the election. Uh, here's a problem, though, okay? This guy that's saying that Donald Trump um, is going to lose the election, if you look at his video uh, two months before, at least two months before, he said that Donald Trump was going to win the election, and then he changed it now to say that he was going to lose the election. Now, he can get away with it. Why? Because he didn't say, I'm saying, speaking this in the name of the Lord. Are you guys following me so far? But when a prophet speaks, they speak in the name of the Lord, and that makes a big difference. God says, when they throw my name in there, they cannot be wrong. If they're wrong, something's wrong. Okay? Because here's what really bothers me about the prophetic ministry. Even I believe in it. I know it's valid. I know it's real. I know it's powerful. I know it's, it's for us, for today. But here's what bothers me. <clears throat> and even hurts me and makes me angry. When someone claims to be a prophet, and they are able to convince a group of believers to follow them. And the so-called prophet makes a prophecy about something. And then it doesn't come to pass. Listen to this. It does not come to pass. The Bible tells us that we must expose them and turn our backs on them and ignore that person. They are not legit. We need to pull their covers and let them know and let people know this is not a legit person proclaiming to be a prophet. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? Okay.
But what really blows me away is that even after a false prophecy is given by someone claiming to be a prophet, the group of believers continues to follow them and believe in them. Sadly, pride and shame prevent people from admitting that they have made a mistake in thinking that the person that they admired, that person that they believed in, that person that they felt was so anointed, that person that was so gifted, that person that was so charismatic, that person that they practically worshipped was really a fraud, a fake, and a false prophet. Listen, people have dynamic personalities, they have dynamic charisma, they have dynamic communication skills but it doesn't validate them as a prophet they have the ability to draw and to suck people in but it doesn't validate them as a prophet and especially if they say that something's going to go down and it doesn't go down you should immediately have the courage to expose it and to turn from it but I don't see that happening because that person has such a hold on them that they continue to follow them even though they know that they're not legit. And you know what? It breaks my heart. It really does break my heart to see that happening to God's people. They would rather keep believing a lie than to humble themselves and admit that they have been fooled And that is so sad. God warns us about false prophets. God tells us beforehand to be aware or to be be, to beware of false prophets. He tells us that even if they do miracles, but our false prophets don't follow them or support them. How many of you remember that Y2K in the year 2000? Remember 1999? There were all kinds of people that were worried in 1999 because supposedly in 2000, when the when the time machine uh, went. From 1999 to 2000, the world was going to fall apart. Missiles were going to go off accidentally. Everything was going to collapse. The banking industry, everything was going to shut down. We were going to have power outages. We were going to be attacked by nuclear missiles because they were going to misfire. And you know what? Everybody's getting all crazy. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. We just went from 1999 to 2000 and everything was normal. Don't get caught up with all the madness and all the emotion. Be led of the Holy Spirit. Now, we are living in some really unstable times, and I would add that they are even dangerous times. Many are predicting that no matter who wins the election in November, there's going to be a wave of violence in America. Some are even predicting a major world catastrophe in November that is totally unrelated to the election. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, let me say it again, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus, let me say it a third time, but if we keep our eyes on Jesus and hold on to the truth of God's promises found in the Word of God, we will be fine. Our life does not depend on who the president is. Our life does not depend on our economy. It does not depend on our world structure or what's going on around us. Our life is connected to Jesus. Can you say amen, church? Our life is, its foundation is on Jesus Christ. Come hell or high water, even though the storms may rage and the oceans may rage and things may go crazy, it doesn't matter. We are plugged into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our na- and His name is Jesus Christ. So don't panic. Don't get all crazy. Now, I kind of pray for all these people that are saying that Trump is going to win. I pray for their sake that he does win. Because if he doesn't win, we have a record now of all these Christian prophets that are declaring very boldly that he is going to win. 
And if something happens and he doesn't win, church, then we're going to have to really look at this whole prophetic ministry. And we have to be very careful who we're listening to. The prophetic ministry is real. But Jesus also said, beware, because in the last days, there will be false prophets. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we've done our best to educate ourselves, Lord God, on this really, really important topic of prophecy and prophets, I pray, Lord God, for all of us that you will protect us. There are many people out there, very charismatic, very dynamic, excellent communication skills. Lord God, they have personalities that are sweet and that are able to draw hundreds, sometimes thousands of followers, Lord God. But I pray with all my heart, Lord Jesus, that you will protect the body of Christ, protect the church, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to seek you out and to, Lord, test the spirits to make sure that they are of God. And, Lord God, to call out those that make a prophecy and it doesn't come to pass to call them out to call them out lord god and to let them know that what they're doing is not right so i pray right now lord jesus that you would be with your people if you're here this morning and you say jerry i am not a christian i have never surrendered my life to jesus if i were to die today or if jesus were to come i'm not sure if i would go to heaven If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand and we'll pray. Anyone at all. Those of you listening at home, if you are not a Christian and you feel a tug in your heart of wanting to come closer to God, I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to respond to this tug that I feel in my heart to know you. I don't understand a lot. I don't know a lot about the Bible or church. But Lord Jesus, I want to. You said, Lord, that if we seek you, we will find you. And I want to begin today to seek you out. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. You gave your blood and body for me. You died and rose again on the third day for me. And today, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, church. If you who are listening online said that prayer, please contact us. We'll get you a Bible. We will talk to you. We'll connect with you. Whatever we got to do to make sure that you understand the decision, the importance of the decision that you made, we will do all that we can to make it possible for you to have clarity and to have understanding and to develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. God bless all of you. God bless your church. Those of you who have any prayer needs, you feel free to come on up at this time, and we will make sure to pray for you here this morning, okay? Anyone at all, we'll anoint you with oil, and we'll pray for you, okay? Praise God.